I'm your host, Brendan Cahill, and welcome to the Coach Cahill Show, where we discuss how to get you to and through the college football recruiting process. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving a review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word and continue to attract great guests like the one you'll hear from today. Remember, referral is the best compliment. Today's guest is Brown University running backs coach, Willie Edwards, who begins his third season with the Bears after being the head football coach at Moses Brown High School, literally across the street from Brown University. Coach Edwards takes us through his personal philosophy of recruiting, the do's and don'ts of personal and virtual visits, and finally, how to keep a locker room united in a divided world. Enjoy. Yeah, you know, football, I don't know, man. My mom always told me the story that when I was born that uh, the doctor said, you don't have a son, you have a football player. That came out with these big rounded shoulders and a big head. And uh, I was a nine-pound, three-ounce baby. And so, um, you know, I always just loved football. And I don't know, my my, my, my mother and my um, godmother, her, her son was a Cowboys fan. And I became a Cowboys fan. I loved Tony Dorsett and trading cards and, just everything, man. Just love this game. This game has changed my life. And then I was always too big to play Pop Warner. They had those age, you know, the weight restrictions. You know, it wasn't like AYF where you can go by grades. It was all weight restrictions. So I only played pickup ball. And then when I got into eighth grade, you know, I, I you know, I was allowed to play full tackle football. And that was it. Never turned back, man. And and so you have a unique background in that you were a. a pretty successful high school coach up at literally across the street from Brown university. Mm. What are maybe two or three of the biggest differences from high school football to college football, both for players. And I guess from a coaching perspective, since you have that recently. Yeah. Well, as from a coaching perspective is just, you know, you coach football all year round at this level, you know, it's football 24, seven, 365. We're at the high school level. It's, football for 10 months and you're just trying to create football for yourself because you love it so much you know you have your seven on sevens you have your season the season ends and then it's over you know we're here you're recruiting you, you know you're, you're you know you're self-scouting you know you're evaluating you know you're, you're getting ready for spring ball it's just all all year round so that's been the major you know the major difference between high school and um and college ball and then, you know the time the time is a lot spend a lot especially in season here here 60 70 hours a week you know getting ready and uh so that's been you know and then for players you know um you know again it's time you know in season we have them 20 hours a week documented and out of season is less than that and so um the type of kids we get though you know at this level are usually all kids that are football first that love football you know if if you're going to go through with this um it's Ivy League football, it's non-scholarship. You got you must love football. You want to be on the football team. Where at the high school level, you have kids that play football. They might some kids love it. There are kids that love it. They're like college kids, but there's a lot of kids that just play football and maybe lacrosse is their favorite sport, or you know, or they want to be just part of the team. You know what I mean? So um, being able to kind of like shift between which kids are which at the high school level and how to motivate them is something I don't have to do here at the college level. The motivation is much different. These guys are almost, and I'm not saying my kids at Rose Brown were most weren't motivated. They were because we they worked really hard. They worked, they pushed me to work hard. But what I'm saying is, is that football wasn't their end all be all. And a lot of kids here, it's not their end all be all, but it's like one of the top things in their lives. It's the reason, one of the reasons why they're at Brown. And so, do you, 
yeah. So that at the college level, it's almost, yeah. Once in a while you have to motivate your players, but it's not like, it's not like you're pushing a rock uphill with some kids like in high school. No, it's totally different. You, you're always going to have to motivate, you know? Um, but yeah, it's totally different. It's, like I said, uh, you know, at MB, you know, we had a lot of great kids. I called them eager beavers like the kids here, but football, they love football. They like football, but wasn't, they played football. It wasn't like that was their only thing. You know, exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. And so how, how has COVID impacted your typical recruiting cycle? Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Big just time, like one man. or two ways. Oh, gosh. I mean, it, it, it's totally different. It's totally different. You know, my first year, how we recruited here, you know, um, when it was normal year with non-COVID. And then this past year, you know, we didn't get on the road. You know, we weren't recruited, so we weren't able to, you know, shake hands and see people, see coaches, see, you know, and talk to the janitor and ask them about so-and-so. You know, you talk to those side people, you know what I mean? Because, anybody, you know, the coach and the kid going to tell you everything you want to hear, but I want to know how the kid treats other people. But you don't have those conversations. You don't get to look for those red flags, you know what I mean? Because we're looking for red flags. We only want really good people to be part of this program. We're very, very particular about our locker room and who's in our locker room. So with COVID this year, we, you know, with a class of 27 we have coming in, um, you know, we didn't get to meet these kids face-to-face. We didn't get to go to their school. We didn't get to dig in. You know, everything was done, you know, virtually through Zooms. And, you know, there was no, out of the 27 kids I think that are in this class, I want to say only seven or eight have been on Brown's campus. So, you know, most of the class have not even been to Brown. So um, it was a huge impact, you know, not being able to get on the road recruiting, not being able to meet kids and families. But what I do believe is that we did it better than everybody in our league. I do. I do. I think we did it really well. I think that Coach Perry took, you know, took the bull by the horns and we got really involved with the virtual world and we constantly had these junior days and these tours and I think a lot of people got to learn about Brown in a way through, you know, during this pandemic that they wouldn't have seen it if it wasn't, you know. So I so going forward, Brandon, I'm gonna continue to use Zoom, even if you right. know normal life. You know what I mean? I'm people coming here. I'm still gonna say, hey, you you took a tour, you seen this, 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 that, and the other, but here's the things you didn't see. So let's get on a Zoom. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, no, definitely. And it, it you know, it's changed everything and it's, it's interesting because it's changed everything and almost, but at the same time, it almost hasn't changed anything. Like the, the principles of recruiting are still the same for you guys. Yep. It's just the methods that you're, do, that you're using are, are quite different. And so you mentioned before um, talking to the janitor, finding the, you know, maybe the low people on totem pole in a school to figure out how kids interact with them. So my next question would be, what are two or three non-negotiable non-football traits you want to see in a recruit that is looking at brown well number one um you know this is an obvious trait so i mean they have to be high academic but that's just to get into brown but football wise they gotta love football they have to love football it's probably after i ask you know how they you know where they are academically and how they did do you love football and they're all gonna say yes but then i'll ask the coach and then I'll ask if I see a teammate, I'll go to the bathroom. I'll say, I see a teammate, you play football. You know, something about so-and-so. I will ask them straight up. So that's number one. They gotta love football. Um, non-negotiable, full effort. I, if When I'm looking at film and if, you know, I see plays where, you know, kids put on highlight plays and clips of them, even though it's a highlight, it doesn't look like the full effort. 
that's a red flag for me. I, I need I need full effort. And then I want to see another the third thing for me is how they finish. I want to see how the kids are so it's you know loving football, having a full effort and finishing. And I really think number two and number three really comes back to number one. Mm-hmm. If you love football, you're gonna give high effort and you're gonna finish. You know what I mean? So those right there are non-negotiable. If you know what I mean, if, if I don't feel like those three things are gonna happen or he's not a kid that will fit our system with that. It's, no matter how good he is, it's just not going to work here for us. Ever. Right. We're not chasing anybody. We don't chase stars. We don't chase um, offers. We trust our own evaluation. Of you, guys. you know what I mean? Like, I don't ask kids right away, who offered you? I'm going to ask that down the road after I get to know the kid and blah, blah, blah. But I, I just think that's a bad question to ask because that means you're not trusting your own evaluation. You know, because this school from your league, that school from your league offered them, I should offer them. I don't, I'm not, I'm not operating. We don't operate like that at Brown. Right. Yeah, it is interesting when you see, like, one kid gets a scholarship within a certain conference, and then, like, within the week, all the other schools make a decision on they that one to. kid. They have to. But we don't do that. We don't chase anybody. James right. adamant about that. Now, now you mentioned you're not too concerned with stars or rankings, and, you know, the the college recruiting cottage industry of recruiting services and camps, and, you know, there's it's a – I'm sure it's close to, like, a couple hundred million dollars as an industry, if not much more. Um, what's, what's your, what's your stance on the usefulness of those types of camps? The, the, the camps? Yeah. Like, like the, the ranking systems and. I don't, I don't, we don't look at the stars. I never, ever, I don't think I ever heard it in my three, almost three years here that what star is he? Never, mm-hmm. Not once. We never, I don't care about that. Um, you know, those camps are really good, in my opinion, because it's verified information. If we can get verified height and weight, verified 40 times pro agility, broad jump, all of that stuff, if I can get that stuff out of any of those camps where it's, it's, it's awesome, you know what I mean? Um, if they just have camps and, they, you know, and, they, and they, we don't have that information, it's just, it, it does really nothing for any college recruiters, in my opinion, unless we're there physically in person. Okay, gotcha. And, and so what would be the advice you would give to, let's say, um, you know, I guess what would be your ideal timeline from the moment like a kid kind of gets serious about wanting to play college football? What are the steps that they should take like from, let's say, like end of sophomore year? That's kind of, would you say that's kind of the cutoff when you really should kind of decide if it's something you want to go for end of sophomore year? Yep. And, so, and what then, I, okay. so here's the timeline. Yeah. So end of sophomore year, they play, you know, holidays happen. They come back in the spring. Oh, you want to play football? Okay. You want to play at the next level? Here's what you need to do. Make a list. That's why I told my kids at Moses Brown, your top four reaches could be guys, could be one of Miami, no, she didn't go ahead. Your middle four reachables and then your definite I can get. And you contact those guys. You contact those guys. You get on their websites, you, um, you email them, you find out who the recruiting coordinator is, email him, you find out who the position coach is, you want to email the recruiting coordinator, the position coach and the area coach, and just say, hey, my name is Willie Edwards, I'm a sophomore, I uh, just completed my sophomore year, if you want to take a look at my film, here it is right here, um, I'm highly interested in your school, here's my sophomore transcript, um, I'm, I'm considering attending these camps this summer, what camps do you have? And just, you know, and college coaches might not, probably not going to get back to it. 
But what you want to do is you want to make sure when you're on those websites, you find the questionnaires, the recruiting questionnaires. And what that does is you get all of that data input into our system so we can push it. You know what I mean? So when we do get back to Willie Edwards, we want to recruit, he's already in our system. You know what I mean? Right. So that's the timeline for sophomore year. Go to camps, you know, get some exposure, shake some hands. Hello, hello, hello. Um, see, junior year comes, the beginning of the junior year, right before, hey, coach, this is my schedule right here. If you, you know, if you have, you know, if you're in the area, here are my games. Just a touch point. Mm-hmm. Play your junior year. Don't bother them at that point. End of junior year, send them your junior highlight film. Hey, just wanted to, you know, reach out to you again. You know, here's my junior year film. You just have to stay consistent because all he needs to do, that coach, is open up your film and watch it, decide where he's going to put you. Or, you know, and I, I use Twitter. I use the list. Are you familiar with list on Twitter? Yeah, yep. So I have, and I can I can show you, a, I have a, you know, a list. I use Connecticut to the CT22s or the RI22s, Florida, my areas, Florida22s, okay? There'll be running back 22s, that's anywhere. Then I have an academic do not recruit tab so once i look at the kid i see that it's a 3.0 i throw him right in it so next time he comes up i just pop it i see what list he's on he's on the academic i already looked at him then i have another list that says watched camp needed i mean i watched you you need to come to camp or senior year so that way i'm keeping track of all my guys so i use those lists religiously so so basically your entire recruiting ecosystem i mean outside of the questionnaires is twitter um me personally I'm 95% Twitter. I use our system here, obviously. I'm, it's my job. I have to use our, we use Front Rush, right. which is the system that we use. You know, so between Front Rush finding my guys and Twitter, yeah, I, I did really well on Twitter last year. So can you, um, and this is, this is good stuff because I think um, there's, a, there's a little bit of a misconception when you tell, or when I talk to parents anyway, and I say, okay, you need a Twitter account because we associate Twitter with like the cesspool of like political yeah. drama and yeah, yeah. like fake news and the earth is flat, but somehow Twitter's like become the, you know, the de facto college recruiting app. What are maybe your, you know, coach Edwards cardinal rules, like do's and don'ts of Twitter for recruits. All right. So number one, please do not tag me on your post. If you can, that'd be great. Just because I get all the notifications. I found out a way how I can stop it though. So it's fine. I just mute this conversation. I'm just letting you know. Mm-hmm. I, I love you guys, but I don't want to see any of your workouts like that on Twitter. Like, you know, you can send it to me, you know, through a DM, but when you tag me on a post, it, it, it it's just, it's not good. And then what happens is not be, I'll keep it 100. If you're someone that continues to tag me on your workout post, I just, I, I just block you, man. I hate to say that, but I do. Just because it's just too persistent. And so going back to your parents that are listening and the kids that are listening and everything I just told you about sophomore year, you want to be persistent, but you want to also know what line you're on. You don't want to go too much. We had kids that a father and son combo just destroyed me this year. And I just never, after I was being nice, responding, responding, da, 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 da. But then it got to be spam, and I just stopped responding. I'm being 100 with you. So that's right. a big cardinal sin. Do not – I'd rather you DM me. I, I, I will look at a DM. If you tag me in something on Twitter, and I'm going to get all these notifications, I'm probably not going to look at it, and I'm going to just meet the conversation. 
and I think that's uh, just to kind of jump in for a second. That's when I talk to the players or, the, you know, the parents, they understand that you guys are, are pretty busy, but I don't think they understand just how busy you are. Um, and there's always that question of, yeah, well, I, I DM the coach. He hasn't gotten back to me. What should I do? And I always say, okay, give it like two and a half weeks, like minimum. Like, can, can you just, and I, I describe to players how busy college coaches are, but in, in your own words, coach, how stinking busy are you? It's, it's, a, it's not busy. It's, it's, it, it, we're busy. But I mean, it's just a lot of, lot of traffic, meaning mm-hmm. 50 DMs a day, mm-hmm. 10 to 15 emails a day. And there's no way you can get through all of them. And they're not all from my area. You know, right. it's not the other thing too. That's not, they're not all from my area, you know? So it's like, what I ended up doing was, because I want to help these kids out, is I took pictures of every one of our coaches on our staff and I kept it in a folder. And so when a kid from like Tennessee hits me up, I say, Mike, I put that picture of Mike McCarthy, who recruits Tennessee, and say, here's your contact. You know what I mean? And, you know, I don't do that with every single person. I mean, I, I do as much as I can, but that's, that's you know. But, yeah, I mean, um, to go back to your, you know, your original question, man, it's just, it, it gets really busy, and we cannot possibly get back to all of, you know, I go through them all, but it's just some get lost in the shuffle, man. You know, sure. Some get lost in the shuffle. It's a lot. And even like when you said, you tell them to come back in two weeks. I mean, is, the kids should not think the guy does not like me. You know what I mean? It's not. Right. It's just he hasn't got to you yet. You know yeah. what I mean? He hasn't got to you. And if you know, and there's some people that might have gotten to you, and you're not good enough. Then there's they, they don't want to lead you on. They don't want to ignore you, so they won't respond to you. But um, it's just tricky, man. It's just so much. There's just so much traffic, man. There's so much, man. It's crazy. Right. And if and if you had those, uh, have you had those conversations with recruits where you're like? Hey, like we really like, you know, you said you're interested in Brown, but it's just not going to be a good fit. Yeah. Yeah. We've had those conversations. You know, we've had, we've had recruits come on visits, you know, and thought that, you know, we were going to take them and then we got to meet them a little bit better in person, you know, besides going to their school and just like, we're all about fit here. We recruit a hundred percent towards fit. We might get a kid that has one offer besides us and no one really, but he fits what we're trying to do here. But yeah, I've had those difficult conversations with guys, man. You know, like, you know, you know, you're a good football player. You seem like a great person, but it's just not the best fit for us here. And, uh, you know, I'll be sure to, you know, mention you to anybody else that you're interested in. Just let me know, you know, but um, yeah, those conversations are tough. And with the, with the recruiting uh, visit dead period about to be over in a couple, I, I forget the date. It's June 1st. June 1st, right? <laughs> We've been waiting. So, yeah. So now you have, you know, not hordes of kids, but you have a lot of kids who are probably eager to go on campus. Um, everybody's probably all zoomed out. What are some of the in-person red flags that you've seen for just like in a, in a generic general sense, like what's an in-person red flag? No, no. Uh, if, a kid's if they on look a visit- like, if they look like crap, man, like, I mean, if they don't, you know, first impressions, everything, man, if they just look disheveled, have you had, you know, kids look disheveled, meaning like hair a mess, you know, or wearing a wife beater to like a visit. Like, you know what I mean? Like at Brown? No, but I'm just, you know, we had yeah. a kid, we actually had a kid on a um a Zoom that we wanted, we offered one of my guys from Kansas, big D line and really good. And he had gotten a Zoom with Coach Perry and getting ready to do the deal. And he's in a wife beater and he's on the couch like this. Like his underarms are like hanging out and like we pulled out. 
you pulled out of that situation. Right. Because it just didn't think like if you're gonna go to one of the eight best schools in the world, you better. I mean, I'm not bored, mad about wife beaters, but we don't want to see your underarms. You better not be slump. You better be ready to rock and say, "I'm committed." You know, these are there's dirty. Most schools have dirty slots. It's eight schools. So what's that? Two hundred and forty slots. Like you're gonna get one of those coveted slots. You better be locked in. So if they're disheveled, if um, if they don't have great body language or they don't um seem into it, like they don't acknowledge. You know, like like we're having a conversation that you know what I mean that you know they're aloof. Like those right. are all in person red flags. You know what I yep. mean. Um, we watch them when their parents come. We see how they interact with their parents. If they're mm -hmm. uh, you know how some kids now are very spoiled and they'll like snap back at a parent. You Ooh. see that? That's a red flag. We're shutting that down. We don't you know because that's not right. going to fly for us over here. You know what I mean, so we look at all those things. And I think the hopefully kids are. You know, I think adults too, we've all kind of have a new appreciation for, you know, your mannerisms on Zoom calls, you know, your like yeah. job interviews are virtual now. So yeah. it feels really dumb just putting a suit on upstairs in your bathroom to go downstairs to where your computer is. But, you know, you got to work with, with the space that you're given. When I interviewed um, with the Rams, I bought a shirt and tie down on and I had shorts. <laughs> yeah, shirt actually, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about that. So for you guys listening uh, Coach Edwards had an internship with the LA Rams uh, this past year, and you can get more details on it. But uh, it, it was it was a recruiting or a scouting no, it internship. A, it was a scouting apprenticeship in this okay. comment. Yeah. So yeah, can you discuss what that was kind of like, and then what you kind of yeah. brought back to Brown from that? Yeah, you know, it was a nice, really nice experience. I learned a ton. You know, it was one of the things that again, you know, the pandemic kind of affected. You know, the plan was, you know, I got hired. Um, there was eight apprentices, honestly, 10 apprentices. Um, and it's through the, the Bill, the, the Noon Wooten uh, NFL Scouting Fellowship. And it's um, same thing as the Bill Walsh Minority Coaching Fellowship. And you apply for it and you have an interview. And it was incredible. But again, like I said, with the pandemic, we didn't have any in-person touch points like we wanted to. You know, we were thinking when I got hired in June or we got hired in June by the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, they were going to send us. There was another All-Star game in Florida they were going to send us to. There was one in L.A. We thought we were going to be able to go to the Combine. Because of all that, you know, pandemic, everything was virtual, you know. Um, I did get a lot out of it. You know, I, I uh, we they showed us how to evaluate every single – how they evaluate every single position in the NFL. So every month we were, we, we were evaluating um, – you know, two positions, um, and, and within each position was two pros and a college guy. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it was incredible. It was a good learning experience. I got to rub shoulders and rub elbows with some really big wigs in the NFL, Les Snead and uh, Brad Holmes with the new GM with the Lions. Um, it was really good. It was a, it was good. I, I, again, only regret is I wish, you know, I was able to get some in-person touch points with those guys, and, you know. Right. But I learned a lot. Helped me with my recruiting at Brown. Has. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just talking to you, you're definitely one of the more, even though it might have seemed like it at times, you definitely have been one of the more organized coaches I've gotten a chance to connect oh, with. And um, appreciate you. Yeah, I'm sure it's just like you're shoveling water out of a boat in a hole with it sometimes. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I'm kind of curious, like, have you noticed you've been coaching a long time? You know, you coached back in the days when cell phones were just a brand new thing and like technology wasn't kind of the way it is today. Um, I'm curious, how have you seen, how have you seen 
your players, people skills change over time? Because a lot of what we've really talked about today isn't necessarily the football stuff. Like, obviously, you have to be able to hit certain markers at certain positions for to play FCS football in the Ivy League and certain academic numbers. But really what I'm hearing, um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is, you know, the, the personal side counts. You need to know how to interact with people. You need to know how to show respect, eye contact, carry a conversation, build a relationship. Yep. Um, how have you seen your football players, people skills, you know, change over? Have you seen them change over time? And, and if, if so, how is that? You know, just from high, the kids in high school, like over the years, how football skills have changed or people skills? People skills. Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, I just think, you know, we're, we're just so, we're just so tied up with this, this thing, man, you know, uh, we're just so, you know, so I think once, you know, the phones became such a big part of people's lives, I think, I think normal social skills went out the window. Mm-hmm. And I think the babies, the kids that are in this era right now don't know life before cell phones. You know what I mean? So it's easy for them to text, but, you know, um, we tell our guys here, call us if there's an issue. If there's something comes up, a text is not going to work. You know what I mean? So um, our guys get the message. You know what I mean? Um, you know, we only have two rules here, really. Coach Perry has two rules. Be on time, and he's the first to know if something goes down. You know what I mean? That's it. You know what I mean? Right. It's not a text. It has to be a phone call. So, you know, I would I would say just that, man. I would just say normal social skills and, you know, stuff like that. I think that has changed over the years. But I just think that's in all facets of life, bro. I really sure. do. Yeah. And, it, and until somebody figures out a way to play football while you're tweeting at the same time, like, you know, sports are kind of one of the last places where you, you can't be fully engaged and be on a phone at the same no, time. No. Um, I hate it. I actually hate the phone thing. You know, I really do. It's, and it, you know, it's, uh, it's funny. Like I was joking around with some teachers I've, I've worked with for a while and we were saying like, you know, a decade ago when we first got into teaching, your biggest fear was like if you finished up a lesson early and then like kids had nothing to do but joke around mess around fight throw stuff you know being kids now it's like you almost have to threaten to give them attention if they don't speak or engage in class yeah Um, because they might be on their phone or they're doing something else yeah yeah exactly kids are different i mean i hate to say kids are just different now i don't know what happened there's a lot of you know and i'm not saying i'm here brown i'm just just thinking overall there's a lot of a lot of kids are in their heads more, meaning yep. they like let a lot of things ruminate and they, and a lot of things start thinking and, and, and feelings and how do you feel? And, and that wasn't us when we grew up, you know what I mean? And that's what, that's the problem. That's why I think the clash of like this because our generation or the old school generation was taught just to muscle through it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where, you know, your girl broke up with you, muscle through it. Where now a girl breaks up with a kid, it's like, a, it's, it's drama. It's, it's, you know, you gotta like. I mean, I, he's I almost. Mean, he's like incapacitated. Oh my gosh, Moses Brown. I used to have to always like make sure. To do, I mean, make sure everything was up with the girls. Everybody was fine, and had to like be the psychologist and the counselor. And oh man, I'm happy those days. I love my time there, but I'm happy those days are over because you don't see it at the college level. There's like a little, there's a buffer where when these kids know it's you know. James says one thing that I really like. What he says on the um on the incoming, the last, um, I guess, like, visit for incoming guys that we have committed to us. They already committed to us. They're coming to Brown. Guess what he says to them? This is not what you think it is. This is not some type of pretend Ivy League Division One football. This is Division One football. We treat it like that. We recruit like that. We're going to get 20 hours. We're going to work. We're going to work. We're going to work. 
And if you don't think, if you think it's some type of ivy, you know, green, you know, brick building and, you know, grassy knoll type place, leave. No hard feelings. I will let you leave right now. And that's just, those, and, and that's part of the recruit process. We're looking for more tougher, tougher kids. We don't want what they call metal midgets, man. But one thing happens and they just shut it down. And again, that's part of our red flags. We, we look for those things. We look for those things, you know, because um, we hope that mental toughness, a good part of mental toughness is already built up by the time they get to us. Right. You know? And then, um, yeah, it's interesting you said that because I'm thinking about, you know, the, the I think the transfer portal, mm. it, it had good intentions. You know, there had to be a way to organize who's going where and how are coaches supposed to see what's going on. But now there's almost as many kids in the transfer portal as there are actual football players on different rosters. And I guess every kid's individual situation is different. And some people do have to transfer for legitimate reasons, but it's kind of like you said, um, you know, I think when I was in college years ago and I, I was hating it and my dad was like, well, I already paid the tuition check. So I guess you're just gonna have to figure it out. <laughs> they just hung up the phone on me. Um, I'm picking you up. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah, go figure it out. Um, you you have a very charismatic coaching style. Like I've I've seen you at practices at uh, at Brown that I've been able to get up to a couple years ago when you first there. You have a good vibe. You know how to unite people. Um, Thank you. It, it doesn't matter your players' backgrounds. And I've you know for those of you you know listening, is this guy is like the Don of Rhode Island football when he was in <laughs> high school. So everybody knows. Everybody knows what all roads go through William. Maybe the Godfather instead of the Don. I'm done. Godfather. Keep it, keep, okay. Keep it done. Keep it done. Get better movie. But um, <laughs> but I, you know, it doesn't take it. It's not rocket science to turn up, flip open Twitter or the news, and everywhere outside of your locker room is trying to tear what you have inside the locker room apart. Whether it's politics, COVID, yep. race, that you know, almost any topic. The you know, it, it's. It, it seems like sports are one of the last few places where like you're forced, you know, like democracy only like functions. If you have people sharing some type of common space where they're around people, they don't look like, believe like smell, like whatever. We have a goal, we have a goal together. Right. And so can, can you talk about maybe, maybe this could be you thing or it could be a Brown thing. I'm just curious, how do you keep a locker room together and united when everything outside of it seems so divided? Yeah, I think our kids here at, at Brown do a good job just keeping everything outside the locker room. They, 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 you know, I think Coach Perry does an, an incredible job um, clearly defining our goals mm -hmm. and what we're trying to accomplish. And we, I mean, we met, we, I mean, we've been here three, almost three years. We haven't had any, any of that creep into our locker room. Um, when the thing happened with George Floyd in May, um, Coach Perry and the rest of us thought it was really important that we got on a call with our kids. We got on a Zoom. You know, everybody's home. We just had this COVID. Now this horrible thing we all watched for eight minutes happened, you know? And so uh, it was important for us to get on a Zoom with our kids because our kids are from all over the country. You know what I mean? So they're all experiencing things differently. And so, um, you know, a bunch of kids got up and spoke. I got up around the Zoom and spoke. And I spoke. And a couple of other coaches of color spoke. And um, we have a really strong locker room. And they're kids. They're kids in our locker room that, you know, that, that are different from each other. I mean, they believe one thing and they believe the other, but it never creeps into our locker room. It hasn't. And that's why sports 
And that's why football in particular, like you said earlier, is special because we can have all these people from different socioeconomic, different backgrounds, demographics, all these different things that are outside trying to divide this world and this country. But football, that stuff never creeps into our locker room. Um, and it feels like it's universal. It feels like it's, for, for the most part, it's everywhere like that. I hope so. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, we haven't, we haven't had to address it other than what happened with, you know, with George Floyd. You know, um, right. we have some kids in our program, you know, me included, that feel really strongly about everything, you know, that's going on. And, uh, you know, but, you know, we made some action steps. We started a program called Lead with Love, um, with, you know, the kids started it, now the coaches, and we're, I'm kind of an advisor with our administrative assistant called Steph Patron, and we're just going to try to lead all our interactions with love. We're all, I can send you the pledge. We're all different in our ways, but as long as we treat people with kindness, and that's not soft. That's why I tell kids. Being kind to people and being nice to people is not being soft. That's not being soft. That's treating people the way they know how to be treated. But um, but to go back to you, to answer your question, I didn't see it. I never see it here. It does not creep in this locker room. These boys are, are locked in and they know that you know nothing can divide us here. Nothing. So that goes that goes back to your your due diligence in recruiting, right? Like yeah. you would never. Yeah. You're never gonna get the janitor on your huddle highlight tape talking no. about, you know, that time that you were being a bozo with your buddies and like knocked over a trash can or something at a basketball yeah. game. Yeah. Um, uh, last, last question. Cause I want to be respectful of your time. I mean, no, that's cool, man. I'm good. You know, I, I was outside of like, you know, Nick Saban and you know, whatever, most coaches aren't millionaires. You yep. obviously find some type of, you find something about coaching that recharges your batteries. Um, despite how busy you are putting 70 hours a week. So I'm curious, What's the one thing you get from coaching football that you can't find anywhere else that fulfills you? Um, I don't know, man. I just think it's like when I'm doing, when I'm actually on the field coaching, you know, everything else is just shut off. You know what I mean? I don't have to think about anything else. I don't have to think about, and I think it's, I did the same thing when I was a player. You know, I don't have to think about any problems at home or, you know, things that, you know, anything i could just coach have fun let loose laugh run around crack on people you know give people nicknames so i just think the you know the ability just to be yourself and let free and you know the way james does practice is just so much fun you know we only practice for two hours but we go crazy for two hours we're sprinting everywhere. it looks crazy you know what i mean but it's fun it's fun and so i just think you know what football what that does for me is just allows me just to just enjoy, just enjoy. And then, you know, when I get into my car, I can start thinking about, oh God, I got to pay this bill. Or, I got to, I got to do this. So I got to do that. <laughs> right. You know, but yeah, football's not, your coach might yell at you, but the sport of football never yells at you. Uh, this this thing saved my life. Man. It really did. It really has. You know, I always tell people, even though, well, just me personally, even though I can wake up and something, you know, and I have a great day, just knowing that I get to wake up every day and coach football for a living is a blessing. Man. Like my, you know, like, I just, this is why what, what I'm doing right now is what I always wanted to do. And um, the fact that I'm the running backs coach has even solidified that. You know what I mean? Um, you know, another thing with the running backs coach, I don't have to go up top anymore in the press box and pump about that. Because some of those press, some of those old Ivy yeah. League stadiums, boys, got no elevators and it's half a joke. So I'm on the field, though, for game day. So yeah. I'm really pumped about that, too. You know, I told Coach Paris that my energy yeah. is beyond that field. Right. 
And and so if you could if you could speak directly to maybe uh, a young high school recruit listening or a parent who's just trying to figure out what the heck's going on, um, what would be like one piece of encouraging advice you could part ways with them on? Um. Yeah, I would just tell them, man. I know I spoke about earlier not being a nuisance, but I I, I kind of want to go back to that. I think you do need to push a little bit if you want something. You know what I mean? Like a closed mouth does not get fed. Like, you know, you got to find that fine line again to where it's not spam and over the top. But also, if you don't say anything, if you don't get any attention to you, if you don't open your mouth, nothing will happen. So um, don't be afraid to pursue this dream. You know what I mean? Just keep pursuing it. It can happen. Um, And then the last thing I would probably say to them, and this is going back, and I use this a lot, is um, when I used to work the Boston College football camps when I was at Moses Brown, we used to we used to send up like 20 kids up there. So they used to say, all right, we're going to hire you too. And I think it was basically just to make sure our kids didn't go crazy. But um, they used to have a college fair. And there'd be like five, 600 campers in this building and in, in this auditorium. And there'll be all these coaches. And I just remember my first year there, this, this guy got up there and he said it to every kid in that room. He said, there is a place for every single one of you and i will never forget that because that's true if you want to play football you know you can find somewhere to play you know i mean that's i mean they're going to have something that you can study somewhere where you're going to be comfortable somewhere you're going to enjoy and then again you have to play the sport that you love so i would tell them to be persistent open their mouths you know reach out um and good things will happen i think you'll find a good spot for, for yourself i do might not be your number one spot, but you'll end up finding somewhere where you can play ball. Thanks for listening to the Coach Cahill Show. We really appreciate you taking the time to hear our conversations with college coaches. If you enjoyed this conversation, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps to spread the word. Or be sure to send it to a friend. Referral is the best compliment. Thanks.